Hi, this is Jay Todd Anderson, and you are listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. But up with Filmically Perfect, it's another edition on 91.3 WYSO. And hello, I'm your host, Nikki Dakota, joined in the studio by the film guys. I have on my right, radio left, he is a nitrate film archivist for the Library of Congress and the largest frame brain in the world. He's our friend, a film guy, George Willeman. George, welcome. Hello, and I would like to say that I am down with love. <laughs> Also, on my left, Radio Right, it is the long-time storyboard artist for the Coen Brothers, 20 years and counting, and many other films that we know and love. He is our film guy and our friend. It's J. Todd Anderson. J. Todd, welcome. I'm here to be down with love. <laughs> well, it's funny. The, <clears throat> today, on this edition of Filmically Perfect, we are actually going to be talking about films that are at least in some aspects, a little shy of perfect. It's our guilty pleasures edition of Filmically Perfect here on 91.3. There is so much guilt in this room right now. <laughs> and uh, we heard a little clip from what will be our first uh, our first movie discussed today on Guilty Pleasures, and that will be Down, Down With Love. But first, we have to remind all our listeners that there is a set of rules that qualify perfect movies, and these movies, and they may meet some of these, but they do not fully embody the rules that the film guys have after decades and decades of thought and effort honed down and gentlemen can you give us uh, these this, rules well we're getting there okay <laughs> well, it's perfect that then we don't quite know what well, the, you know what I, I just i just found that uh notice it's it's <laughs> on the bulletin board here <laughs> um, here and okay. the rules the rules are our perfect movies on our list, which does not include Down These. with Love, creates the world that they exist in. And they wholly sustain that world. And regardless of changes in society, our movies on our list, not Down with Love, retain their meaning and entertainment value. And all of them, except for not, uh, Down with Love, are never placed in any kind of preferential or numerical order. Each movie is perfect within its own scale. Today it is down with love that I bring about to the table. Special movies today. <laughs> special. special. Very special movies. <laughs> this is short bus cinema. <laughs> I absolutely love 
this movie. It is uh, a, a vehicle that stars Renee Zellweger along with Ewan McGregor as the romantic lead in uh, really it's a it's a very very sort of loving fond send up of the romantic comedies that were so common in the early 60s particularly those that star Rock Hudson like and Pillow Talk Doris Day like, exactly and it's a it's Judgment sort of a, at Nuremberg <laughs> sort of a modern I think it's version funny. of these movies and it's really done with Laugh a, While You Can Monkey Boy <laughs> Oh no that was a line from a movie yes. sorry <laughs> This movie, although I I did submit it as a perfect movie, and the and the boys turned it down. We didn't turn it down. It was Bud Ansky. Take it up with him. (laughs) Of course, we say that, you know. We don't. I like this film. Yeah, and he he was uh, very very uh, adamant, but I really think that he was just kind of running interference for you guys. I think that that you cannot truly get down with love. He has a crush on you. We had to talk him out of it. But I found this movie absolutely um, just. Just fantastic from beginning to end. Not only is it a, just a funny sort of cheesy schmaltzy story, but there's even a couple of plot twists in it. But it is done so beautifully. The images, the colors, the sets in this movie. Poor George suppressing a yawn there as I go on about my... <laughs> it wasn't a yawn. I, I really loved this film. Uh, let me just give you a uh, sort of a little overview of the plot, and that is uh, a small-town girl from Maine. That would be Renee Zellweger. Yes. Figures out. And she plays the uh, character Barbara Novak. Yes. In this movie, and uh, she comes, uh, finds a publisher in New York, and uh, an editor at a publishing house that believes in her, and it is up to them to sort of present this book to the uh, the the powers that be, which in this case are all uh, uh, older white men, and they just do not know at all what to make of um, this girl and her book. And I do have a little clip here wherein Barbara Novak and her um, her editor go into what they call the lion's den, which is this, this boardroom with all these men to present their ideas. And uh, here's a little piece of how that Where'd sounds. Where'd you get those jeans? <laughs> we'll get to that yeah, later. I'm at a loss here, here ladies. I'm afraid I don't know exactly what Miss Novak's book is about. Miss <laughs> Novak's book is a serious work of non I'm at a loss here, ladies. I'm afraid I don't know exactly what Miss Novak's book is about. Miss <laughs> Novak's book is a serious work of nonfiction entitled... Vicky, excuse me, it's right behind you. Would you mind pouring me a cup of coffee? It's a serious work of nonfiction entitled Down With Love. This is empty. Well, if you're making a fresh pot, I'll have a cup. Count me in. Likewise. Ditto. None for me, Vicky. Thanks, RJ. I'll have a Sanka. As I was saying, the central thesis of Miss Novak's book, Down With Love, is that women will never be happy until they become independent as individuals by achieving equal participation in the workforce. And how do you propose women do this, Miss Novak? By saying, down with love. Love is a distraction. But if women were to stop falling in love, it would mean the end of the human race. Not at all. I said women should refrain from love, CW. Nonsense. Isn't that the same thing? 
little excerpt from what the ladies are up against in Down With Love. My uh, my pick for Guilty now, does, Pleasures. Let me ask day. you this, having not seen this. And now I am going to see this because I love the way it sounds. It's I mean, good. Does, it, does it kind of carry on like this throughout the whole film with a kind of funky music and, and dialogue? No, like when they say something, they get a little Exactly. It is a really beautiful... Or Renee Zellweger looks into the camera and you hear... Uh-huh. And the colors, the sets, the everything. And it's really kind of racy, you know, how, uh, but a modern racy, how, how those Rock Hudson, Doris Day yeah. films kind of were. They do some really clever things here with split screens. There's a, a segment where, <laughs> where those are good. they're talking on the phone and, and, in, and they're not at all in the same room, but they begin to assume positions that, could suggest uh, oh. uh, poses of passion in in these uh, completely separate and they and they change the the split green, screen goes top bottom side to side diagonal and in every case they're sort of having this flirtatious conversation and then going through it's a pretty uh, late these... movie it's two thousand three so this yeah is not an old movie like George we always you know make sure they got to have a, a little <laughs> age on them before we'll discuss them yeah we don't know if we'll all be down with love forever but uh, I have found this movie to be just a delight and a lot of fun to watch uh, again and again it's a, it has a really lovely plot twist at the end she goes after catcher block who is Uh-oh, the man's man alert. man about town no, <laughs> I'm like, are we gonna actually fully give it away no you know i won't i'll just say okay. that uh just because it, it's worth seeing it's worth finding out that on your own after you've been regaled by these really strong bright uh stylized visuals that you get to sort of it has a really lovely uh, but you could watch play. this movie over and over again, right? Absolutely. There you go. That's what it's all about. That so it's perfect for me. If it has meaning, uh, yeah, that's it. As long as it keeps you three. off the streets. <laughs> yeah. I highly recommend it, and that is my pick for this special edition of Filmically Perfect on 91.3 WYSO. Down and with under, love. under a lot of influence from our host here, I watched this movie, and I got to say, yeah, it's a lot of fun. You know, I've always thought that Renee Zellweger is, is a really good actor. Uh, actress yeah uh, she really has the chops and uh, she can do just about anything really that chick uh, she can go anywhere she's really good yeah and uh, <laughs> she did it up and was this this was after chicago right i think it was, bef- was you know is you know chicago? i don't know i didn't see okay. chicago i think it was i think you're right i think it was after george yeah and so, so i yeah, i highly really... recommend seeing it, and seeing it and if you'd like uh to do just exactly that and write to the film guys and tell them that they should put it on their list that's filmguys at perfectmovie.net. It is a slightly imperfect edition of Filmically Perfect Well, we'll make sure, uh, you know, if Bud Ansky ever gets around to giving us that letter, we'll consider it. <laughs> and uh, we we all three have have been willing today to uh, to bring movies that the other two can then ridicule them about. And uh, we would like to now turn to Jay Todd. And uh, what, what, what? No, we're going to do him last. Okay, very good. We're saving the best for last. We will turn now. <laughs> He's not talking about me. No, we're talking about the movie. (laughs) George Willeman, what have you brought us? Well, one of my biggest beefs uh, for many years, having for being a a lifelong born and bred Ohioan, Buckeye, a person from the Midwest, is always the depiction of the Midwest and especially Ohio in films. Um, A good example of that is a film which many people love, which I now absolutely loathe. uh, Annie, get your gun. 
where Annie Oakley is portrayed as this barefoot hick from Greenville. Now, yes, there are a lot of barefoot hicks from Greenville, <laughs> but uh, but she was a very educated woman. And at the beginning, they have her winning the shooting contest and going in Cincinnati and going, well, we'll just walk on back to Greenville. No, you won't. Greenville is like a, a two-day walk from, from Cincinnati. Or the out-of-towner. Yeah. It's so easy to just... Or it's so easy to pick Ohio, on. Martin Hayseed. Sheen from Toledo, Ohio. That's right. But in this case, the film I... In the movie... He's certainly from Dayton, Ohio, but he's from in the movie uh, uh, Apocalypse. Not he's from. Twice. Yes, he he's even from, identifies. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um. Well, and, and of course, there's like Sunset Boulevard with uh, yes, that's Joe favorite. And that guy is Gillis from Dayton, from, right? We stand up and cheer when he says, "I'll teach those guys back in back the, the day Dayton, at the Daily Dayton morning, Daily Star." Morning. Yeah, that I can write pictures, <laughs> and they're trying to take his car away from him. Right. That's something we can relate. But to. in this case, the one the little film I'm going to talk about is a film about living in Ohio that amazingly was not made by Ohioans, but they do kind of get the, the ambiance of Ohio correctly. It's a little comedy from 1985 called Mischief. And it stars uh, Douglas McKean, who's probably will always be best remembered as the kid in On Golden Pond, the, 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 the kid that hangs out with, with Henry Fonda. Um, let's see, it's Douglas McKean, Catherine Mary Stewart, Kelly Preston and Chris Nash and the two women there. Kelly Kath- Preston. Yeah, Catherine Mary Stewart and Kelly, uh, Mrs. John Travolta now, yeah, Preston, yeah. Uh, are both still very, very active. The two guys are not so active. They they don't they don't have credits beyond like the late 2000, I think, what has he got? 2007 was his, his last, uh, McKean's last thing. But Chris Nash, who plays like the bad boy from Chicago, who comes in and disrupts everybody's lives, uh, Kind of got out of films rather early. He's, I think, in mid '90s, and he's gone. And when was this film? This out? was 1985. Oh, so. And um, the basic story is about this young boy growing up in Nelsonville, Ohio. And the cool thing about it, it was actually shot in Nelsonville, Ohio. They, the film That's company, nice. went down there, totally disrupted these people's lives <laughs> for an entire summer. And I guess people down in Nelsonville still can't talk about these Hollywood types without gritting their teeth and you know disrupting their whole lives. But um, yeah, it's yeah, back before he had incentives in this state. Yeah, he, uh, young boy, growing up in Ohio, and you know, kind of shy, has the hots for this one girl, Marilyn, at school. You know, but he's, he just can't get the get the gumption up to to talk to her. And he becomes friends with this um, this young guy who comes in, moves in from. Chicago with his father and is kind of a rebel. I mean, he's more of a kind of a James Deeney character, where he wears, you know, tight Levi's and and he's got the grease back hair and he rides a motorcycle and his name's Gene, you know. <laughs> and and Gene makes it a case that he is going to give um, Douglas McKean's character some tips on, on how to meet girls and possibly, you know, get to know them better. Um, so as the story <laughs> progresses, a lot of it, you know, the story actually, besides being about Ohio, is also about young young love and going to the dance and parties and stuff like that. And, and the great thing about it is unlike so many of these films, when he finally gets the girl of his dreams and they actually have, they actually do the deed, it's awful. <laughs> It, it doesn't work out at all the way he wants to. It's a very uncomfortable scene. And 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 he realizes what a horrible mistake he's made and how this girl is just, especially when she deflates his balloon completely in more ways than one, uh, by him going, <laughs> I'm sorry to have ruined it for you on your first time. And she goes, what makes you think it was my first time? 
<laughs> Yikes. So there's but, a certain, you know, maybe, I guess, realistic aspect. It's not always this crazy trip on gossamer wings, but it's no. maybe a realistic portrayal of uh, young of, love in love to- Ohio. Young love in a small town in Ohio. <laughs> and one of the neatest things about it is the film was released by 20th Century Fox, and the filmmakers got permission. When the film starts, you see the Fox logo, as always, and then this black screen comes up, and the words... A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away comes up. And everyone's seen this before. Like, whoa. But they add one little thing. At the at the end of that fades in Ohio, 1956. And then the film begins. Um, I have a little piece of dialogue here, um, which is Gene talking to um, the, the kid. I can't remember. Jonathan. Jonathan is his name, the, the character that, that McKean plays. Gene uh, talking to Jonathan on their first day at school about being cool, and he addresses the issue of his jeans. Where'd you get those jeans? What? Looks like you got a load in your pants. My mom got them. Shrink them. Why? So your nuts bulge out. You gotta look hung. Girls don't have nuts, so they're fascinated by them. They are? Yeah. You don't think they don't cop a look now and then just to check you out? You got a handkerchief? Yeah. Stuff it down your pants. I'm not sure how really rock solid that <laughs> advice is, but... um. Well, it, it, it is disastrous to uh, <laughs> to Jonathan, although shortly shortly after the scene... He tries to uh, to get noticed by Marilyn by riding his bicycle down a big hill and crashes and bloodies his nose. And when she's helping him up, she goes, gosh, I can't can't do anything with this blood. Have you got a handkerchief? And he goes, wait a minute. And he reaches down <laughs> in his shorts and pulls out the handkerchief for her. So it's one long embarrassing moment for Jonathan. But Gene um, yeah, does help him. Gene eventually has to leave because of the relationship with his father, which is on sort of pins and needles anyways, kind of evaporates. And the interesting thing about this is that throughout, in the background throughout, there's this one other girl named Rosalie who really likes Jonathan. But she's a real wallflower. She's very plain. She's got big glasses and braces, and she's kind of dopey looking, you know. And, and she's like, have you gotten a reading list from Ohio University and that kind of thing? <laughs> and um, and he doesn't really want anything to do with her. At the end, though, uh, she gets her braces off, and she gets contacts, I guess. And and she's quite stunning, and it's an early performance from Jamie Gertz, uh, who was oh, in a really lot, quite like a lot of eight, yeah. 80s movies. Yeah, and. Yeah. Um, this movie is beautifully shot. Yes, when you it look is. look at it, and it's, it was shot by a cinematographer by the name of Donald E. Thorin, who rose to fame with an officer and a gentleman. And when he did this movie right after a really striking-looking movie called Purple Rain. Um, oh. So this man had some uh, really, really good eyes on this picture because it really shows. this. It's so evenly lit. Um, when you look at this movie... Uh, for some reason, you don't see this movie on television or anything later, but it's beautiful. And he's went on to do other movies like uh, Little Big League and Shaft. And it is it uh, is interesting that this film does kind of fall into the obscure category, um, even on video. The film, like I said, was released by 20th Century Fox. Uh, the DVD that is out now, and you can find it still uh, if you look really hard, because it's not a, it's, it was put out by Anchor Bay, and their stuff usually does not stay out. They only do sort of limited, kind of limited releases on things. Um, well, it's the fact that it is a Fox film, but Anchor Bay put it out. Fox didn't even really, 
eh, they didn't Believe really want to deal it, with it. Yeah. They just kind of dumped it off onto. And it looks great. They did a really nice Beautiful. job on it. So, Beautiful movie. not quite a perfect movie, but uh, certainly something you, you like. You like it. I like it. It's It sort of falls into that sort of interesting category of the 80s teen sex coming of age, figuring it all out comedies like Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I think but about it often. I think about it often because there's a line in that movie that says, uh, on the radio, I guess they're listening to radio. Yeah. <laughs> it's another overcast day in Ohio. <laughs> So you like it for itself, but also it's it's nice, uh, at least in your I, to have a realistically set Ohio film. Yes, it's it's not Ohio as portrayed through the lens of Hollywood. It is, yeah. I mean, they actually took the effort to come to Ohio and kind of figure out what Ohio looks like and what people in Ohio look like and make the film. We're uh, doing a very special edition of Filmically Perfect. It's the imperfect, if you will, films that we love still quite well. We're calling it Guilty Pleasures. And from Ohio, we move on to Jay Todd's offering this time around. So why don't we just do this clip right now? All right. Because there's no way to talk <laughs> this fellow up. He's too darn good. Here we go. You'll see all these glamorous stars and hundreds of other circus acts. The trained animals, such as the famous Liberty Horses, and the jungle animals that can be trained, but never tamed. Like the tigers and the jaguars. And the daredevil performers who slap death in the face twice a day. For the circus is not a make-believe world. Every move is a calculated risk. One carelessly tied knot. A split second off timing and... No, it's not make-believe. Sawdust is hard when a flyer falls from 60 feet in the air. But the show rolls just the same. I know because I lived with these circus people and learned to respect them and love them. The drama of their lives is our motion picture. Their loves and hates, their failures and follies, their bitter tragedies, and their glittering triumphs. These are the people who bring you the greatest show on earth. Nobody else could say it like <laughs> Cecil B. DeMille. Well, that was he himself. That was he himself. That was him. Cecil and B. That, DeMille, and the movie is called... I'm telling you, this is the greatest show on earth, which yeah. is a circus movie, and it's... It's long, it's beautifully shot, and It is the circus movie. Technicolor. Uh, it's just... So much of this film has influenced people through the years, and, you know, it's corny. It's corny, <laughs> it's silly, but mm-hmm. I dare anybody not to watch it, because it's just, it's just so fun to watch. And you'll notice that the Charlton Heston, you know, the very... the epitome of a stiff guy in a movie, he's wearing... Um, some of the stuff we've learned to uh, see in uh, in a lot of films, the leather jacket, the jacket. It's kind of an Indiana Jones yeah, kind of getup. That's get where up, they, actually, those guys you know. got that character was 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 really? him in this movie. And there was a couple he's other the super ring, movies. He's the ringmaster. Then he's no, no, the guy he's, that runs the circus. He's oh. the straw boss. He okay. takes and there's things put up. Scads of people in this movie. There's just scads. There's all the famous clowns of their time, like Emmett Kelly, and uh, they. This is like they take a star like Jimmy Stewart, and uh, there's this trailer's four and a half minutes long, and Jimmy Stewart has nothing but clown makeup on all, all the time because he's done something heinous and bad. He's hiding. Yeah, he never ever he's comes out of his clown makeup, you know, and, and until the end they find out. He's got to save somebody. And it's, they go on. And what's really great is like 
Cecil B. DeMille treats this thing like a thousand plane raid. We're going to go out and bomb the Germans into oblivion. But he's not saying that. He says, and they fall from 60 feet into this sawdust, which isn't uh, soft when, you know. It's it's hard. It's hard. He goes on and on. And and then they have these. It's not just once he does this. He does it three times in the movie. They're getting ready to move the circus. and, And in the middle of the night... They go and they knock down the timbers and they and it just goes on and on. It's just too much to resist. It's so it's like a, a documentary, but it's not at all a documentary. He uses the circus as a backdrop for a, 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 for his melodramatic a story. Yeah. Like you know, and almost everybody can remember. There are several. Spoiler alert! Yeah. Get that ready there because we gotta oh, have that. Yeah, we're, gonna, <laughs> we're gonna let them know. We're gonna we're gonna yeah. Gonna you gotta. Well, you, you have to. Yeah. You can't talk about this movie without. In the end. In the end of this movie, Gloria Graham is on this train, and these villains who have figured out how to wreck the train, uh, what, the, the dumb guy, the big Dastardly, straw man, he yeah. figured, no, no, uh, he says, uh, Phyllis is, what was her character's name in that movie? Gloria Angel. Graham is, Angel's on Angel that on train, and everybody's listening knows what, I'm, what happens next. He gets on the, in his car and drives down the rails and says, stop, Angel's on the train, Angel's on the train, and the train hits the car. And- There's a great shot, and it, it, it's model work, but it's just so wonderful because the train hits the car dead on, and the car just flips off the track <laughs> and then the train derails and the cars derail and the and there are these these i mean it was all done in the studio but there's these great shots of the train cars from inside rolling over and big and then they, of metal going through everything's them. you know he's got a rail through his side or something charlton heston oh. does but they got to put it all together so they can make this show the show must go on <laughs> and everybody that's seen this they remembered, you know, it's like, no, no, you know, don't get on the rails. You see this, everybody remembers that scene. It's just, it's too much fun. And it's a very much a time capsule of the era. It's 1947, right after the war, and, and you see them drinking glass Cokes and wooden, right. you know, they, they recycle everything, and there's... Yeah, and as DeMille says just, in, the, in the trailer, they did go on location with the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus for some time. I live with those people. Shot a lot of footage along with the circus. Now, there is also a lot of background footage that was shot for things they had to come back and do in the studio. But, yeah, there are some great scenes. And a lot of the actors uh, that you see performing circus acts actually had to learn to do some of the trapeze work. I mean, Betty Hutton and and yeah, uh, Betty Hutton's and the really others. great. There's this love triangle that's going on. But, of course, Charlton Heston is married to his work. You know, and the well, Cornell Warwick, uh, excuse me, the Cornell Wild part is really fabulous. And I always, you know, no matter what I'm doing, I'll stop and watch this scene because he has his, he's fallen off the trapeze and his, he's his, trying to hide the fact covering that he's his hurt. hand. And then Charlton Heston looks at it and pulls the jacket off and it's all crawled up and, and everybody goes, oh, <laughs> and there's a dun on the music. So what, it seems to me, Jay Todd, that what I mean, we have Cecil B. DeMille, we've got Charlton Heston, uh, Betty Hutton, this uh, cast of characters. What keeps this film from being perfect? What uh. what what's? <laughs> you know, I just couldn't resist talking about it and taking an excuse to talk about it. George, oh, that's I'm fine. sure no, he thinks I, uh, you know, I, I, I he mean, loves it too. DeMille, DeMille is is my number one favorite director. I just love. I have yet to see a DeMille film that I didn't just have just goosebumps about because so he's just me... so he's so outrageous and, and he, he can tell you he sits there and talks about about a movie like he's found a cure for cancer <laughs> 
So are you telling me here that I dragged in down with love, old George schlepped in mischief, on a, hobbled in here, not meeting most of the rules, and you have actually snuck in a perfect movie? Well, we didn't on discuss it. It's not on our list. But I can tell you this, lady. I can tell you this. You're not going to bring a title in like Down with Love and not expect me to like come back with something very heavy. And that heavy is Cecil B. Yeah. yeah. Now the Show. only thing the only thing I will say about this is that. It won Best Picture of 1952, Best Picture Oscar of 1952, up against stuff like High Noon and The Quiet Man, either of which I would say more deserved Best Picture than uh, this film. But it was one of those things where it was Cecil B. DeMille. He's in his 70s. It was an award for being Cecil B. DeMille. Yeah. And the this show, is before the Ten Commandments. The show must go on. And, gentlemen, this show has gone on. This has been another edition we of Filmically Perfect on 91.3 WYSO. And as we wrap up here, as always, it is a great, great pleasure to be in here with the film guys. Ladies and gentlemen, please uh, stand up at home right now and give a salute to the film guys. George Willeman, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. J. Todd Anderson. And the show must go on. <laughs> Thank you for listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. Please keep an ear out for new episodes of Filmically Perfect, coming very soon to iTunes and hosted on our website, www.perfectmovie.net. See you, please.